Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Philippians chapter 1. Um, Philippians is uh, one of the most unusual of all the epistles. It's, it's, the most, it's the most joyful of all of Paul's epistles, and it was written from jail. It's one of his jailhouse epistles. He wrote this from jail, and he's so happy being in jail. I was, I was telling the pastors yesterday at the BBF pastors conference that we, were, that we held here, you know, I worked in the jail for 10 years, and, uh, well, for five years of that, um, I was inside the jail walking the tears. Some of the pa- happiest people I ever met in my life were in jail. They were behind bars 24 hours a day, and they were just happy. They, they, they decided to be happy, you know. And we need to remember that happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. You can choose to be happy in whatever situation you're in. And um, the, that, this, is the, this is the gospel of joy. Uh, and Paul writes this letter just to express his joy at the fellowship he had with the Philippian church, you know. Um, not, okay, let's say, let's say it this way. While in prison... Paul was not happy, but he was joyful. There's a difference between happy and joyful. I'll take joy any day over happy. Happy depends on your happenings, circumstances, what you're going through. Joy comes from the inside and cannot be squashed by any force on this earth if it's the joy of the Lord. Um, Paul was joyful because he had friends like the church of Philippi who... He had fellowship with, and that combined with Jesus in his heart brought him great joy in the midst of a horrible circumstance. Um, the church of Philippi was a church that was started by Paul. Uh, Silas and Timothy helped him. Um, Acts chapter 16, when we read that, it described the ministry in Philippi. In Philippi, they led Lydia to the Lord. They stayed at her house. They cast out a demon and got thrown in prison for it. And then God caused the earth to quake and opened the bars of the, the jailhouse, and they were able to, uh, to escape if they wanted to. Um, so Philippi is, a, is an interesting place for Paul. And it's actually, at this time in his life, this is the, near the end of Paul's life, it seems like this is the only church left that's still supporting Paul financially, prayerfully, with uh, supplies, sending people, sending things. And so the purpose of this letter is to show that no matter what the circumstances you're in, you can have joy in the Lord. And that comes through fellowship with other believers. So let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine for, all, for you all, making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the night and for all that are here. 
Thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for what it's meant to me in my personal life. Help us tonight to understand your word in Christ's name. Amen. So, a couple of questions for you tonight that I want to ask. The first question is this, who are you? Paul opens up this letter telling us who he is. He says, I am Paul with my friend Timothy, the servant of Jesus Christ. Literally, that word is bond slave, one who submits his whole will to another. You know, we have a, we have a very specific um, view of slavery in this country because we, we practice chattel slavery for the first 70, 80 years of this republic. <clears throat> and... Slavery has a whole lot of different forms besides just that, what we, what we practice in America. During Paul's day and during a lot of the biblical times that you read, there was what's called the bondservant. This is somebody who may have been a, who went into slavery because they had a debt to pay. Okay? And they, they became the slave of someone for a period of years to pay off this debt. So they worked out their debt by being the slave of someone else doing the work that the person wanted. At the end of that time, though, some of these folks would say, you know, I haven't had it this good in my whole life. I'm sleeping in a palace compared to what I slept in before. I'm eating good food every day. This guy's really good to me. He treats me well. And they may choose, some people chose to become bond slaves. They bound themselves to a master. And the master would actually put their earlobe against the door jam of the house and run it all through it, put a ring in the ear, uh, earring, and that would mark that person as bound to that master for life, bound to that house and that master for life. That's what Paul's saying here. I've bore through my ear. I've, I, against the doorpost of Christ's house, I am a bond slave to Christ. This is who I am. I am willingly the, the slave, the submitted person to the will of Jesus Christ. So Paul says, I got one master question we have to ask ourselves is, do we only have one master? See, a bond slave has no will of their own, no business of their own, no time of their own. They're acting for and dependent upon one person, Jesus Christ. Paul describes this relationship in Galatians 2.20, which if you haven't memorized it by now, you need to. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm dead, but Jesus is alive. And it's not me anymore. I've crucified my flesh. I am no longer who I was. I am living the life of Christ through my body. Jesus Christ is living his life through me now. I don't exist anymore. That's the attitude. And so Paul says... <clears throat> I'm a bond slave, and I'm writing to you saints, bishops, deacons, and reminding them of their calling and position in Christ. You're, you're saints of God. Every single person who's named the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who has called on Christ and been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, is a saint. You do the Greek word studies, you realize that the word saint, the word sanctified, sanctification, the word holy, they're the same word. 
for the most part, they're the exact same word in the Greek. Every single person who names the name of Christ is holy because the holiness of Christ has been imputed to them through the cross. And Paul says, I'm writing to you saints, you bishops, you deacons. He's saying <clears throat> every member of the church, every pastor of the church, and every deacon of the church is set and called to be separated and set apart. Okay? 1 Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope for, to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of life. Because it's written, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's a pretty big bar to live up to, isn't it? I'm sitting here on a Friday night, on a rainy Friday night, telling a bunch of Marines, be holy. <clears throat> Y'all call yourselves devil dogs, and I'm telling you, be holy. All right? <laughs> but you're supposed to be holy. That means you act differently from the rest of the world. When everybody else in your shop's cussing up a storm, you keep your mouth shut and smile and take it. Say, yes, sir. How much more? What do I need to do? Let me help. That's what we're called to do. I just had a, I just had a talk with a, with a Marine on the phone tonight before the service started. He called me. <laughs> And he was like, what's this turn the other cheek stuff? <laughs> I said, <clears throat> I said, it's all about learning how to live with people. There's people you just got to, you just got to take a lot of crap from some people sometime in order to live with them, right? Paul said to Timothy in his first epistle to him, as much as it is in you, live peaceably with all men. As much as it is in you, what is he saying? There's some people you ain't going to be able to live peaceably with, so just get away from them. <laughs> walk away and don't have anything to do with them. Try to live peaceably with everybody. Try. Make the effort to be friends with everybody. But when you get that person who just absolutely will not be friends, just stay away from them. Quit trying to, quit trying to change them. Just stay away. <clears throat> what did Jesus say in Matthew 7? Don't cast your pearls before swine because they'll turn around and rend you, tear you up, bite you. Don't cast that which is holy before dogs. Right. So be holy. Live with people peaceably if you can, um, especially if you're called a saint, especially if you're called a bishop or, 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 a, or a, uh, a deacon. You're a leader in the church. You're supposed to, you know, deacons actually have the best position in the whole church. Did you know that? Nothing better than being a deacon. You know why? Because all a deacon does is serve. Deacons aren't actually leaders. They're servants. Their jobs, you know what the first job of the deacons was in the church? To feed the widows and the orphans. Take care of them. That was their job. Just make sure that the widows had something to eat. You know, that's the best job. Don't ask for it. Don't seek after it. But if God's calling you to it, the church will come after you. Right? And some of you might end up being a deacon one day. Take that very seriously. So Paul says... To the deacons, the saints, and everything, verse 2, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, this is what I wish for you, grace and peace. And it has to come in that order. 
Grace is the foundation of faith, and peace is the result of faith. You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. And you can't have the Prince of Peace without grace. Amen? You've got to have His grace. And the fact is, is, if you have accepted God's grace and you have no peace, you are out of His will. So who are you? Second question, where is your joy? Look at verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine, for you all. Paul's from North Carolina. Making requests with joy. Right? For, for, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now, and being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The church at Philippi was on Paul's mind all the time. He loved them so much. You know why he loved them? Because they invested in him. They invested in him. They wanted to be a part of his life, and they, they, they put their money where their mouth was. Right? They invested in him. They fed the man. They sent him what was needful for his, for his body and for his, for his well-being. And even though he went through a terrible persecution in Philippi, the church there, the memories of the people who accepted Christ there, brought him so much great joy. You know? Because they were receptive to the gospel. They comforted him. They shared in his burden. So let me ask you a question. How do folks act how do folks think about you when you're not around? Paul says to these folks, I'm thinking about you all the time, and I'm stuck in a Roman jail. You're still down in Philippi. I'm thinking about you, and I think nothing but great things about you all. So they ask yourself this question. What do people think about me when I'm not around? It always shocks me when I find out people are talking about me. You know, sometimes somebody will say, hey, you know, we were talking about you the other day, and we said, you know, how much you like this, and I'm thinking, why would you talk about me? I don't think I'm anybody to talk about. I, don't, I just don't think of myself as somebody who does anything so great that somebody would want to talk about me, and I hope I'm not somebody who does something so terrible that people would want to talk about me. You know what I mean? But people do talk about you when you're not around. I talk about every one of you all when you're not around, all the time, never to each other. But I'm always talking, I'm always telling pastor stories about you. Me and Patty are always talking and praying for you all. You know, I'm always talking about you. I love you. I care about you. I'm doing this because this is what God called me to. And he gave me a people I never thought he'd give me. I never in my wildest imagination thought I'd end up ministering to Marines. I got nothing to do with y'all. It's never in the service. You know, deputy sheriff, that's as close as I ever got. But for some reason, he sent me to you. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. He was the Jew of Jews, Pharisee of the Pharisees. And for some reason, God decided to send him to all the dogs, to all the Gentiles. So I guess I understand it. But yeah, I talk about you all. I think about you. I pray for you. Let me ask you something. What do you think people are thinking about you when you're not around? Do you, bring, do you bring joy to someone's heart when they think about you? That should, be your, that should be your goal. Your goal should be so that when people think about you, they think wonderful things. What a nice person. What a, what, what a smile, right? You know? They should be thinking wonderful things about you when you're not around. And Paul, 
these thoughts that he thought of the Philippian church, they, they provoked him to pray for them often. And here he, he uses the word joy for the first time. Verse 4, making requests with joy. This, six times more times in this epistle, Paul will use the exact word joy, but the, the phrase, the, the concept of joy is throughout the whole thing. And let me say this about what he just said here. Prayer should be a time of great joy. It should not be something that you dread going to. should be not something that you are just uh, trying to get through. Let me get through my list and go. If it's actual prayer, if you're actually talking to God, if you're actually connecting with God, it should be a time of incredible joy. You should not want to leave that time. Remember when Jesus went to the garden the night he was going to be arrested? And he said, hey, guys, wait with me here for an hour. Let's pray. And Jesus went off. He left the three there, and he went off to, to another little space and started praying. And he came back, and they were all asleep. He's like, boys, you couldn't even pray an hour? And some of y'all look at me going, like, pray an hour? How can you pray an hour? Well, you have phone conversations that last 58, 60 minutes, right? Why can't you have a conversation with God that lasts that, lasts that long? You just talk to Him. If you need help with that, I can get you a nice book on it. It's called The Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. Awesome book. It teaches you how to break your hour up into 12 five-minute segments. And for five minutes at a time, you pray for something different, different things. People, ministries, missions, money, whatever. Have time to... Uh, there's actually time in there to sing and to, to, to just be quiet and listen because sometimes that's the big missing element in our prayer life is we don't know how to shut up. We don't know how to be quiet and just sit and listen, you know. But Paul said, man, when I pray for you guys, I'm, I'm filled with joy. I'm interceding, I'm supplicating, I'm beseeching for those people that I love, and that brings me joy. Paul was blessed by these folks. Verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel. This is the first indication here that Paul's saying, I'm blessed by you because you're all there investing in me. You're investing in me. I got a lot of friends in a lot of churches all up and down the East Coast. But I got 53 churches in particular that I am, in, that I am just thanking God for as often as I can. Because those 53 churches give every month to make this ministry happen. Those folks are far more precious to me than the ones that say, we're praying for you, brother. We just, can't pay, we just can't give you anything right now. And I understand that sometimes churches can't give you something. And I, I get that. I, I was a pastor. I know. i got to tell you something, though. The ones that sacrificially jump on board, they mean a whole lot more to you. You know why? Because they're investing in your life. You know? That's why I want you to understand something. That's why I smack the table and say it's Friday and Sunday's coming. It's important that you get into a church and you invest in a pastor's life. You need to invest in a pastor's life. I think I told this story once before, but I had somebody in my church say to me one time, would it be okay if I sent some money to this TV preacher instead of, instead of all my tithe going to the church if I just gave some here? Because that guy's really blessing my heart. I just said, yeah, that'd be great. Go ahead. When your mama dies, call him and ask him to do the funeral. 
I actually said that. They looked at me like, what? It's like, well, do you, are you investing in my life or in his life? I'm your pastor. I'm right here. I'm willing to, I'm willing to, I'm willing to bury your parents. I'm willing to marry your kids. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and come to your house and pray with you. Is that fellow with the big teeth going to do that for you? He's down in Texas. He can't do nothing for you. I'm sorry. You need to be invested in your local church. You need to be putting 10% of your income into your local church every week. Because that man has been called to a very hard thing. And he needs to know that people love him. He needs to know that you're invested in his life. Amen? And it's a, it's a crying shame that most pastors are so dirt poor they can't even see straight. If you've got ten families in a church, you should have a full salary for your pastor. Because if you've got ten families, you've got ten incomes, and each one of them given ten percent, that man should have a full income. Amen? Plain and simple. He shouldn't have to be begging and scraping. And, and I, I know pastors who can't pay the medical bills, whose children are going without medical services because the pastor can't afford the medicine. Because the church ain't paying them nothing. Let me tell you something. You need to be invested in that man's life. Get invested in your local church. Invest in that man's life. Let him know you love him. And every once in a while, give him a Baptist handshake. You know what a Baptist handshake is, don't you? That's a handshake with a $50 bill folded up in your hand as you, hit, as you shake his hand. When the missionary comes in, give him a Baptist handshake. I say that because I'm a Baptist. That's what we say. I don't, know if, I don't know if there's such a thing as a Methodist handshake or a Presbyterian handshake, but we call it a Baptist handshake. I couldn't wait for missionaries to come through the church. Before we were pastored, man, missionaries come through the church. It's like, what well, we got in the wallet. I, sometimes I'd empty my wallet out. Every, every dollar bill we had in there just got folded up, and as soon as we, service was over, I'm going to shake that man's hand. I'm going to give him every dollar I got. That man's in Kenya. He's in Tanzania. He's in the Ukraine. I, I'm going to help him, you know? I want to know I love him. I got 50, 60 missionaries that I know right now. I love those guys. They're giving up their ability to make personal wealth for them and their families so they can preach the gospel. Paul's saying to this Philippian church, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thrilled because y'all are still with me. I know you still love me. And Paul tells them, your sacrifice is not in vain. The work is going to be accomplished. Look at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If I ever find my preaching Bible again, I lost it in the move. When we moved from Chinkapin down here, I lost my Bible in May. But in my preaching Bible that I had for 14 years or so, um, in the front, I've got, in, uh, I had um, several preachers that I respected sign my Bible. David Jeremiah, um, David Rodenheiser. Elmer Towns, Jerry Falwell, biggest signature in the front of my Bible. He took up half the page with a big blue magic marker because that was Jerry. He was bigger than life. And it was Philippians 1.6. That was his life verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day Jesus Christ returns to this earth. You're going to, it's okay. You know what? You've been given, you've been sacrificing, you've been helping, you've been, you've been giving your time, your talent, your treasure to your local church. God is going to reward you. Let me tell you something. 
If you ever feel like you ain't making any progress spiritually, don't fret. Because God ain't done with you yet. He won't give up on you, so don't give up on him. Amen? He will not give up on you. So, let me ask you this question. How does the fellowship at your church bless you? Because it should be a blessing to you. And if you're not involved in the fellowship at your church, you need to get involved in the fellowship at your church. You need to start going to the prayer meetings. You need to start going to the after-service meals. You need to start hanging out with the life groups or whatever. You need to get involved in that local fellowship. Because that's your source of joy and comfort. What have I been telling you guys all this time? What are the two things Jesus Christ left us on this earth? His word and each other. His word and each other. That's all he ever left us. That's all we got. Why aren't you involved if you're not? Are you bitter? You got a grudge? You don't trust people? Get over it. You ain't that important. (laughs) You're just not, okay? Get over yourself. Submit yourself to the authority of another person. You got to serve somebody. The rest of you, I don't care. You know, some of y'all got in the Marine Corps because you were you got sick and tired of mom and dad telling you what to do. Yeah. And you got here, and you, now you got years of nothing but everybody telling you what to do, right? And you're thinking, as soon as I get out of the Marine Corps, nobody's going to ever tell me what to do again. Yeah, right. You're going to be serving somebody the rest of your life. And if you get married, well, that's for, you're done. Hey, you might as well make that person Jesus Christ right now. Amen? And then his under-shepherd and his saints. And just serve everybody. What did Jesus say? If you want to be great among people, be the servant of everybody. That's it. You want to be the head? John and James come to him, the sons of thunder. We want to sit at your right hand. He goes, man, you have no idea what you're asking for. If you want to be great in the kingdom, serve everybody. Be the bottom rung on the ladder. Don't be the top rung. Be the bottom rung. Bottom rung holds everything together. That's how you lead. You lead from the bottom. So commit to loving one another like Paul loved the Philippians, and you'll find a joy you never knew possible. Well, it's Friday. Sunday's coming. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.